So uncivilized. Hey, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. I'm Roger. I'm not. And this is the show where we each write a song in the space of a week and we bring them to this podcast and we talk about the chords, the lyrics, the structure, the influences. And we do challenges and all sorts of things to write new songs and uh, hopefully help you write new and exciting songs. Why is there so much emphasis on the word write this week? I feel attacked. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm joined, of course, by uh, Declan Kitchener. Hello, Declan. Hello. Hi. How are you? Fine. Very, very apprehensive about showing my work this week. Because as opposed to just writing anything that we wanted to write, we actually had a specific challenge to write a particular kind of song this week. And the mm. kind of song that we were told to write by ourselves um, was a dance song. It's like the first genre I feel like we've challenged ourselves this season where I don't particularly like the genre. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because there are some like dance related things that I like. Like, for example, I quite like Caravan Palace and I like I kind of genuinely I admire cool production tricks you can find in dance. But mm. as a musical force in and of itself. It, it, it's it's not for me. <laughs> so if you do like dance music and you're listening to this episode, then um, why not skip to the next one? Because <laughs> this isn't going to be a fun ride for you. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like this was like one of those one of those weeks where it was a challenge in terms of like, oh right, okay, what is a dance song? You know, you know, what are the general components of a dance song? Because at least with, like, previous weeks, uh, we've at least had, like, a bit of more of a grounding in what particular styles of music are, whereas I tend to find with dance music, if I like a piece of dance music, it's normally because of the things in it that aren't dance music. Like, for example, I uh, like a little bit of um, Daft Punk stuff, but I like the stuff where they put guitars and they get other people in to come and do stuff like... uh, uh, like particularly on the, I think it's a Random Access Memories album, the one with Get Lucky on it. Or like I said, things like Caravan Palace, where like the whole gimmick is that it's 1920s dance music, like put alongside modern day dance music, and I think that's very cool and very funny. But it's rare to find like dance music in and of itself that like appeals to me yeah i mean you know you're not a big fan of a genre where the things you like about the songs you hear are like not to do with the genre (laughs) exactly yeah it's a (laughs) it's a bit of a weird one Uh, yeah i mean the closest i kind of get to liking something like dance music is um nine inch nails which is industrial uses a lot of drum machines kind of has like a lot of the same uh, elements as dance music, but it's done quite differently. Uh, almost closer to rock than it is to like, you know, trance or house or something. But I suppose the kind of thing is because dance music has kind of just been swallowed up by pop music, particularly since like the noughties, which mm. is kind of like the point where 
like I think it's the tail end of the age we were at when you listened to a lot of pop music. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, actually. It's just they kind of merged, didn't they? Yeah, and it's just kind of like uh, loads of tricks from dance music have now just passed into popular songwriting usage. Things like like drops and like build ups and having uh, like chorus sections that don't have actually words in, but they're just like releases of tunes and things like that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I feel like a, a lot of pop music sort of, I don't know, to be marketable or, or whatever, um, kind of needs to be club friendly. E- even if it's like, you know, you take a, you know, Jason Derulo song and you make a dance mix of it that, you know, has a more driving beat or something that people can play in clubs. Uh, I guess it all has to be sort of geared towards that. Mm. Yeah, there's always one eye towards the remix. Which just yeah. goes to show how commercial music has been. But music has always been commercial. So, like, beginning down this argument begins in the case of then going, having to acknowledge, like, yeah, well, the Beatles were marketed to heck as well. Look at all the fucking mer- merchandise they had. So, <laughs> <laughs> Club remix. Yeah. The, um, the music industry has always been an industry. So it's always been commercial and capitalistic, uh, capitalismistic as hell. As hell. As um, hell. As hell. As hell. Uh, that was a terrible sentence, but we're going to keep that in just because I think it's funny. Um, basically, the goal has always been to make money by whatever means, uh, which is a trend that has been there since the beginning, and you can see continued today in things like, for example, K-pop albums where you buy four copies of the same album for 20 quid each, uh, and the only thing that's different is like they're like these big books, but some of them have like one or two different pictures inside. Mm, it's, yeah, I mean, any way to cash in, you know, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, like I said, this is nothing new. It's true, it's true. Um, and as, as So far dance as, music, everybody. <laughs> as far as dance music goes, uh, this is actually our last episode of this season where we're writing in a genre style, isn't it? Mm, yes, it is. So next week we're going to do a wrap-up and have a bit of a chat. Um, and, have a wee uh, old know, natter. Re- revisit the past seven weeks and you know have a little bit of a uh yeah a chin wag um but this is the last week and it is dance and it, i think it's my turn to go first and listen to to my song and tell you about it so it's called you sound so unsure oh i am it's dance music week i yeah uh, <laughs> this is not my forte at all <laughs> the emails we're going to get next week are all going to be along the lines of well why did you do it then <laughs> that's very true actually <laughs> I kind of was asking myself that quite a lot um, the moment I started writing. Ditto, ditto. (laughs) Um, So my song this week is called Deflate Me and uh, it goes like this. Side when you 
tired eyes and carry on I'm willing to save us all was roger's dance song deflate me um has anyone got a bicycle pump <laughs> <laughs> when you just said it then i only named the song just before i sent it to you i just thought that's like the least upbeat dance title isn't it? <laughs> this next one's called deflate me everyone on the dance floor please well i mean there's literally a dance song called titanium which you know sounds really heavy and big and slow so like you know and that's mm. like an upbeat bop apparently so <laughs> <laughs> i am a cool one <laughs> whoop, whoop, club remix i'm gonna keep saying that apparently <laughs> yeah no matter how much we ask you to stop <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so uh one thing i will note immediately is that you i asked you whether you had the amen break in this during when we were listening to it and uh yeah for those who don't know please explain what the amen break is so yeah the the amen break is uh is a, a loop a drum loop taken from the song amen brother by the winstons and it's like the most used sampled uh you know torn apart remixed thing uh, drum break that there is in the history of music. I think it is the most sampled drum break, and you know, I thought it would be a good starting point. Well, if basically to understand the ubiquity of it, like if you have ever heard like a dance tune from like sort of late eighties to I'd say mid noughties, you've probably heard Amen Break at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh. I wonder, I wonder how much you have to pay to use it, like on a commercial record. Um, it's probably quite cheap, I'd have thought, seeing as so many people have used it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the most interesting use I've, I've heard of it is um, DJ Shadow on his um, groundbreaking album, Introducing. He samples it, but he slows it right down, which I thought was kind of cool. So it's like... Because the typical... Because the typical thing to do with the Ironman break is to do what you've done and just speed it up, which is quite... You used to hear that quite a lot in... Is it house music? Is that the fast one? Or am I thinking of something else? I, d- I wouldn't really know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think this is We're the, the worst! <laughs> with, with, the, with the genre stuff, like, I feel like with Motown, we can we actually know some stuff already and stuff, but with um, with dance music, it's like, oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Which one's the one where they go quickly, then? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the, the Amen break because the song didn't exactly start that way, but... It did start with the drums because I mean, when I thought about dance music, I've I've actually kind of got to this point with all these genre challenges. But like, the first thing I'll do is I'll just kind of spend a couple of days thinking about what are the general components of the genre we're, we're trying to tackle. And uh, the first thing I thought was, um, it it's fast, it's fast music, you know. Hmm. Um. Uh. So, 
and then the second thing I thought was that the drums are like the core of the um, of the genre, you know, as far as I can hear. And so I just came up with this uh, drum pattern and recorded it onto my phone. And then once I had the drum pattern, went back and I just tried to write chords over it, basically. So I, I just kind of put this this pattern into Logic and then made it into real drums. And then looped those real drums in like an eight bar loop, you know, so I had them going. And I just tried playing guitar over it because guitar is my first instrument. And um, the other thing I noticed about dance music, aside, aside from it being fast and beat driven, is that quite often, you know, like, I don't know if, if you've seen these, Declan, but um, quite often I see these adverts online for like, not just sample packs for like, keyboard sounds and drum sounds but people like actually sell midi files with pre-made chord loops in them have you seen that i have not um no i think you and i must frequent different sides of the internet <laughs> um p- potentially yeah um but but i just i that i mean you know just as a kind of aside i guess that always strikes me as it's kind of odd like I've always thought as chords are something you sit down and write, you know, not just kind of like drop in as like, you know, a file. That's the thing, like, uh, there is no monetary value in a chord in and of itself other than as an, a part of an arrangement, but mm. just to sell it as part of... So it's, that feels wrong to me. <laughs> like, I get like selling synthesizer presets and things like that. Like, uh, I still think... It's a bit off, but like I, I sort of get the logic of that, where you have to do the hard work to like find particular sounds and settings that you know will work in certain areas of a mix. Will do this, that, and the other. Uh, that that just really strikes me as odd. Like you can't own chords. <laughs> you can't well, own one, four, five. <laughs> well, no, of course. Um, it, it it is odd, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you know, if I was to look at it as positively as I could, I'd think like. It's a good, like, learning tool. Like, if you've never made a chord progression in your life before and you you, t- you know, you get a laptop for Christmas and you want to start making music, dance music or whatever, and you can, you know, drop and drag these, drag and drop these uh, MIDI files into your door, and then you go, oh, you know, C minor, F. Oh, okay, those seem to go together. And it's like a learning tool, I get it. But if, if it's just, you just use those and nothing else, you don't think about the chords, um... I don't know. It just seems not, a bit not to get not to get hung up on this, but if you're mm. using MIDI, then most likely you've got a MIDI controller, which is just a keyboard controller, just much shorter. So the best way to learn would surely like to be getting some keyboard lessons or like some piano lessons. Well, so, yeah. I I, I don't know. I suppose said like... the rock musician. Um... <laughs> I suppose it's like the path of least resistance, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like we're really bashing this, but. Um... But I, th- I think, you know, rather than being negative about it, I think I'm just saying it's, like, quite perplexing to me. I've never come across that before until I sort of... No, I am first. being negative about it. <laughs> I'm going to make my stand here. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird and uncomfortable. But it's could... nothing to do with the writing of your song other than the context in which you've mentioned it. So please continue. I can just imagine there's someone who's listening for the first time. Oh, dance music. I'm into dance music. I'll listen to what these guys have to say. And then we just go, if you're using MIDI... Surely they're informed and they haven't bundled that first into a genre without <laughs> knowing anything about it. <laughs> I just want to be sensitive to that little, you know, that little 
Well, I don't. Learn the piano. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tough love, folks. Tough love. (laughs) It's fine. We balance each other out. Like, you're the supporting, loving, caring, like, you're doing ever so well kind of teacher. And I'm the person that you're going to hate for the rest of your life. You're like um, uh, that, that teacher from that film Whiplash. I mean... That means I am played by J.K. Simmons, so I am very happy with that comparison. Well, then we're all happy. Um, Everyone's happy. Apart but... from me, because I'm played by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I, I tried to come up with a like a looping chord progression, almost something that you could sell as like one of those MIDI packs, and I, I thought, I'll build like the bulk of my you know melodic sections around this chord progression but you know being um you know doing doing this podcast i wanted to come up with something that was a little bit more um interesting to talk about than um perhaps your standard dance music chord progressions um so i wanted it to be in a minor key because um dance music often is not always but quite often and so I chose uh, to write the song in C minor, and the chord progression I chose goes C minor, G augmented, D sharp, D diminished, G7. So kind of unusual. Um, and I'd, I've never followed um, the root chord of a progression with the augmented fifth before um and it kind of works quite well i'm good i might try to do that in a regular song where i'm actually you know not thrown into the deep end genre wise <laughs> so uh, every song from now will just have augmented fifth as the second chord instead of a major second <laughs> exactly yeah um do you ever uh, this is a bit of a digression but do you ever feel like oh no what if i learn all the tricks i'm going to learn chord wise and then just that's all i've got and all my songs just become, you know, really homogenous. Welcome to my world. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, anyway, so I came up with that loop and then I just, I, th- this is one of those ones where rather than kind of sitting with a notepad and a guitar, you know, on my bed or on the sofa or something and writing in a very analog way um, and making notes on my voice recordings on my phone, I was like, actually sat in front of the computer with a guitar and, you know, I had this thing on loop, like I said, the eight bars, had the drums going, had the chord progression going and just started singing over it and just seeing what I could find in terms of melodies and stuff. <laughs> Quite naturally, what I found was that while kind of scatting over the, uh, you know, verse section of the chords I just described, I noticed that there were kind of two ways I was singing over it, one of which was very slow and sort of spacey, which is the verse you hear where, you know, everything's very synthy and, you know, echoey and everything. And then the the vocal melody is kind of uh, quite slow. And then the other way I was approaching it was just kind of like going really fast. And I thought this is when the drums could start to enter, you know, subtly. And then this is the section where I'm kind of going, one of these days you will take me away to a place where the like that and just going faster. So, I mean, anything that provides contrast in any type of song to me is, is you know, kind of a win because, you know, then you're creating some uh, variation within the arrangement. Um, mm. And just singing fast, I felt like was... 
because I was kind of clutching at straws in terms of what am I going to do to to make a dance song and singing singing faster uh, melodies was really something that I felt was in that ballpark, you know. It's interesting you talk about the way you were coming up with the lyrics on this one and like uh, looping it round and like uh, singing over it because this is something that we shall return to with worse results. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure how pleased I am with my results. I mean, this is one of those ones where it's like, sometimes with these songs on the podcast, I'll, like, I'll write them and I'll be like, oh, that turned out well. I think I might develop that further and, you know, do something else with it. Whereas with this one, I think this is kind of the um, dead end for this one. End of the line. Uh, you could take it in another direction, though, like uh, if you just divorce it from its genre. Like this kind of... It's going to be a bit of a weird one to talk about on air, but uh, do you remember uh, that song off the first Lunacy EP, uh, You Are the Ocean? I can't say I do off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've listened to it, uh, to that EP. Because he used to play that live a lot when we used to go all go out to open mics together and he used to do like this really cool like guitar-based version of it. And like uh, it's almost like a getting into rock territory. But on the EP, it's just uh, like this... Very electronic, sort of ambient kind of dancey. We should have had Lunacy on for this episode. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, he would have. He would have blown us out the water. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have had him on there. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you could do if you wanted to do something with this in future. You could do like the inverse of that to so try and because the chord sequence works, it's strong. Or you could completely go the other way, uh, dance it up to the max. And just pop it on. I was going to say a winter tape, but you're not doing those anymore. Uh, well, yeah, probably not anymore. But but yeah, no, you're quite right. I mean, I do like to experiment with genres, and I I think that like you know, you and I are both fans of bands which use the genre roulette. Sort of, you know, each song on an album is a different genre and a different approach. But I think I I lean a little towards more towards the ones I can produce well, and I feel like dance music isn't something I'm necessarily that good at producing. Um, uh, guitar based music is a lot easier, whether that's you know whether that's funk or rock or pop or whatever. But dance is is so um so you know synth based and drum based and stuff. Um, well, this sort of goes into a little bit of a theory I have about learning an instrument is that once you learn an instrument, particularly when you're younger, say you start learning the guitar, the music mm. you listen to just turns into guitar music because you can appreciate more of the skill of what's being done. Same if you like learn piano, you're going to listen to more piano music. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good and point. If you, and if you like end up like focusing on production and like uh, electronic music, then that's going to become the be all and end all of well not the be all and end all but like it's going to become the vast majority of what you analyze in input mm. it's interesting that you you bring that up because um i felt like i had quite a um sort of kismet you know fortunate uh musical exploration going on in in the week running up to when we were writing dance music and during um which was that I've uh, started getting really into Radiohead and watching a lot of documentaries, listening to their albums and stuff, and um, I felt like I had a little bit of... He's going to be Tom York like, the next season. Like, <laughs> we're going to have like a season of Radiohead songs, and it's going to be immense. <laughs> I wish. But, um, but yeah, I, I just started listening to their albums and stuff, and they're a band who, who progressed and continue to progress all the time and just you know jumping in leaps and bounds in terms of genre. 
And uh, in some of the interviews I've listened to and stuff, uh, they talk about how on their first three records, Pablo Honey, The Benz, and OK Computer, they were they were essentially a guitar band, especially with songs like Creep and Just and stuff like that. And after the OK Computer tour, the whole band were completely burnt out from you know touring, you know, and you know just being completely exhausted. And they actually kind of fell out of love with guitar music. And when they came back and, you know, everyone was like, oh, because OK Computer was such a huge album. When they came back and they were going to release this album to follow it up, everyone was anticipating, oh, God, what are they going to be doing? You know, I can't wait to hear some more, not more of the same, but like a development. And they came back with this very electronic album influenced by people like Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and stuff. Well, I mean, the first um, track on that album, the album being Kid A, is like uh, everything in its right place, which is just the most beautiful electronic piano line. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so, you know, I think listening to that stuff kind of gave me this sort of like hybrid in to how a rock band or a guitar-based band might approach dance music or electronic music so i was kind of lucky in that sense and so i i thought i kind of approached this as like i don't know like how would how would a band incorporate guitar into what is essentially a dance track that's an interesting point of view to take it might have been more interesting if i'd taken this point of view but i'm getting ahead of myself (laughs) (laughs) um the one final thing i'll mention about this song before we move on is that with with dance music i sort of for the, from the little I've heard, I've noticed that um, the structures can be quite different. So with with rock or pop music, the structure can generally, you know, be boiled down to something like intro, first verse, bridge, chorus, second verse, bridge, chorus, middle eight, chorus, chorus, something like that. And uh, with dance music, I noticed that a lot of stuff was like uh, intro, really spaced out verse, build up. And then instrumental drop. And then I thought that was quite a different way of approaching the structure of a song. So that's why my song, you know, has a big section, which is the instrumental section with no lyrics. Because I was thinking, oh, shall I write a chorus where that is? I was like, no, I'm going to keep that instrumental. And then the verses are where all the melodic um, information sits. Um, mm. And so the verse kind of acts as a verse in the in the traditional sense, but it also acts as a build up. So that's when the you know lyrics become faster. And, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that the structure was quite a different approach this week. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, particularly the thing you say there, the instrumental drop, like where instead of, like, building up and hyping to a chorus, you're building up and hyping to a melody. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Which uh, is interesting. And, again, it's something that we should be returning to, albeit ah. albeit not as good. Uh, <laughs> um, well, uh Shall we take a listen to your song? I think that's literally about all I can think to say about it, unless you think so I've covered So that's all for anything. this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you... Uh... <laughs> oh, come now. So uh, what's your dance song called? Um, it, It's called... Um, What is it called? Let's say it's called Dance With Me. I know there's already a song called... There are several songs called Dance With Me. It's okay. This is going to have nothing done with it ever again. (laughs) Um, So having lowered your expectations sufficiently, let's have a listen. (laughs) 
Okay, that was Dance With Me. That's Declan's dance song this week. And uh... So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> um, I mean, you're not feeling the song, I can tell, uh, by the way. Whatever you... gave you that impression? The words you're saying. Um... <laughs> but, uh... but I think you nailed it on a lot of fronts. I mean... It is a dance song. It's. <laughs> I, love that a, I love that. That's the first thing. I mean, it's the right genre. <laughs> no, I mean, like you know, that's the challenge, and you nailed it. I'm not. I'm not even going to attempt to try and, um, you know, up your opinion on this one. So <laughs> no. tell us. Tell us about it. Tell us about dance. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, this was a kind of a weird one to write. I had this sort of notion about dance music that. It's not necessarily the interesting thing about it isn't necessarily the chords that you use or the melodies or the words or anything like that. It's the textures in the music. It's such a production based genre mm. that the idea would be to like just build up a load of loops and just like drop them in and out and sort of see how that affected the texture, how you could structure a song out of that. So the idea behind writing it was. Uh, going into my DAW and setting up a load of loops for each section. So I had like a kick drum just just on loop. I had a couple of snare sections on loop, a hi-hat section on loop. I realized I didn't actually have a synthesizer on my computer, not as a MIDI. So what I ended up doing instead was like uh, just downloading a Moog synthesizer. <laughs> And uh, creating some loops out of that and then applying like loads of distortion boxes and everything to try and make them sound, all the different tracks sound less the same. So like there was like a 
baseline staccato, lower baseline staccato, baseline legato, lower baseline legato. Uh, there's uh, chords that are going all the way through it. Bridge sections, the big E flat, that was just one big loop of E flat, which is very easy to do, but very complicated to work in for some reason uh, because of timing. Uh, it began with trying to work out some sort of structure for a song mm. as opposed to like trying to come up with like a chord sequence. Oh, um, interesting. You start with the structure first. Okay. Yeah. It ended up like working out where the drums would come in and out, when they would stop this and that, dragging them along to like the end of a point of a song and cutting them up just so that they would go in and out at the right times. And then once I had like a drum bass that I was happy with, it was the same for like chords and music. So this is a very, very simple song. Uh, it, uh, in terms of chords, it goes mainly between an A flat and uh, F minor, which I think there's a C minor and an E flat in the bridge uh, or the pre-chorus. Okay. But again, that is quite like of the genre, isn't it? To kind of like have a few chords that just go together. Yeah, and they weren't they weren't thought of like as chords in and of their own right, as it were. Like, not like you'd be strumming the cowboy chords in a guitar and come up with your melody over that. Mm. Uh, the bass line was the thing that came out with first. The uh, it's not exactly the greatest bit of melodic invention in the world but like you know it's a melody i needed one for a loop it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it it will do um, yeah so that's uh where that came from and then like i said i had staccato versions legato versions i had chords that you could put over the top uh and things like that uh so then it was just like creating the main structure of the song harmonically out of those bits with a little jiggery pokery needed for like the pre-choruses and bridges where they sort of went off beat as it were because they're not quite exactly the right number of beats because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's difficult to sort of imagine how it's all going to be structured if you do the, you know, beat work first, I always find. Mm. But the thing is that I wanted to try something different than writing just like on a guitar or on a piano and going like uh yes this is a song now let's produce it up and put the fun bits in afterwards this is kind of like an inversion of that like let's start off with the production and see how that informs the songwriting choices turns out it informs them in a very poor way and i will not be doing this again um, how, <laughs> what, what do you feel like the cons were of doing it that way because uh, I only had these loops set up that I started with, it was very limiting in terms of being able to put like complex chord sequences in, or like because you can't because you've only got what you've looped, mm. and like no matter how many like bits you've got to take in and out, there's not you can only vary the textures so much. Maybe that's just because I came up with a really dumb, very bright sounding piece of music to loop over as opposed to something that you could do like a bit more ambient and a bit more subtly. But uh, dance music, it's meant to make you dance, so bright and uh, stupid it is. <laughs> I did try and counter that a little bit afterwards. With um, I just got a bass guitar. I did like a whole bass line, as you would normally, and then I used like that high end of the bass to get some little variations, like for example the... Or like little bits like that coming in. 
which is a trick that I nicked from, if you've heard the most recent Taylor, well, not the most recent Taylor Swift album, it's uh, Folklore from last year, the track Peace. Most of the track is built up of a synth, uh, this continuous note on a synth, and two basses, like outlining chords. Well, that's cool. That's a cool technique. It is. Um, <laughs> so I thought, right, I'm stealing that, because uh, I don't want there to be guitar on this at all, because dance song. Uh, but bass <laughs> I feel I can get away with. So once I sort of had a chord sequence, you know, it, it wasn't going to set the world on fire, but it was like a, a dance tune. Hmm. Then I thought, right, well, I'll apply the same idea of, like, not writing out manually all the thing beforehand and just working on it in terms of a production for the vocals. Mm. Uh, you might notice that the vocals are sounding particularly rough and weak this week. Um, this is because rather than once I... I was sort of, like, coming up with the bits of the words and just recording them as and when, just in little bits... So, like, if I had the first line for the first verse, I'd record that, work on something else, come back, and, like, just sort of jumping around the track a little bit. Mm, mm. The trouble is, I didn't go back and do a full-on take of everything. Ah, like a, okay. Like a take where you could perform it rather than go, like, yeah, I think these are the notes. So you did, like, the equivalent of, like, just, like, pencil lines you just like that's where this goes and it didn't go back with the pen and actually you know bolden it up this is basically the state that my vocals are in on uh my audio demos on my phone if i ever make demos on there which we've played one or two of on the podcast before so this you know if you've heard those episodes you can probably like hear where that's coming from right right um but also, I found there was this really weird thing that happened when you were just jumping about the project and trying to put the words in just in front of you there. Because even though you can play it back and hear it and hear what you've done before, as you're sort of processing what you're working on next, you're kind of forgetting a little bit about what you've just done. So whereas if you're writing on paper, like you're always scanning over the page and you're always getting a little reminder of what you've just done before. Ah. Whereas in this time, it's it kind of feels very you're losing track of what you've done at least that's the way i felt yeah i could actually really relate to that because i did my lyrics in a similar way where like okay verse one seems to work let me go over to verse two because if you're doing it on the computer you can literally jump around in time um, which is so much different than writing on a guitar isn't it yeah or even the thing of like even if you're just writing it down on a piece of paper as you look across the piece of paper you will catch the rest of the lyrics so like even if you've gone wildly off track in verse two, you might spot something in verse one though. You think, hang on a minute. If I'm saying that in verse one, I can't be saying this in verse two. And then how does that relate to the chorus, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Talking of which, chorus. Um, <laughs> there isn't one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was trying to do that idea of the instrumental drop that we've been talking about a lot throughout the episode. Um but I didn't put the melody on first, so I sort of just knew where the vocal would like interject, but I didn't actually have a melody, and I kind of... That was the last thing I did, which is just like... I was getting a bit sick and fed up with the track at that point, so it's just like, you know, sod it. Right. <laughs> there, there we go. That'll do. Copy-paste, copy-paste. Right, source it. 
When did you lose your love for the job, Declan? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's the annoying thing that when you write songs and sometimes you sort of realise three quarters of the way through, like, I just don't like this. Yeah, yeah. Totally get it. That's the thing. If this was a normal challenge, yeah, I, c- I could probably have, like, rustled something up that I might have liked a little bit better in the available time remaining. Right. But because I'd chosen to produce it in this way and because it had to be a dance song, like, there wasn't really anything I could do about it. I was sort of stuck with this piece of music. It's just like, well, okay, I'm going to get this to a presentable level, finish it off, and just forget it exists. Mm. Do you feel like um, approaching it almost backwards in a way in terms of arrangement like because usually we'll approach things like arrangement first you know not arrangement what am i trying to say like chords and melody first or at least chords first or something do you feel like this way of doing it um just doesn't click for me yeah it doesn't work for me yeah no i I get it i I really get it like uh because that's the thing i was trying to come into this in the spirit of the thing and think right it's about production it's about loops it's about like uh the textures of things we you know we kind of know that the melody is less important in a dance tune other than the fact that it's got to be catchy as hell whereas that's kind of not what excites me about writing songs not to sound like a pretentious asshole for a few minutes but i like finding cool little tricks like wait so if i go to the augmented and then i go to the diminished and then i go to the four and then to the minus six and then do this that and the other Mm. and it works and it's still catchy yeah, that's kind of like the the jackpot, isn't it? Yeah, like, or even like, um, there's something. <sighs> guitar is a very tactile instrument, and although guitar isn't my first instrument, it's probably like the instrument I play the most of, and it's my my favorite. I think. Yeah, there is something fundamentally different about coming up with something that cool in the computer and grooving on that as opposed to like playing a guitar, finding something that you think is really cool and grooving on that in real life when it's your own hands directly responsible for what it is that sounds cool. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way before. That is so true. I mean, it doesn't make any difference to the listener because why would it? I mean, it's all music to as far as a listener is concerned. And you and I both like production, so we both know that you can get some great results out of like fiddling around in the computer. Mm. But then we've also got, because you and I record mostly with guitars, or at least with like keyboard instruments and things, like you are still playing it. So you're sort of getting a bit of the best of the both worlds when you sort of, when we record like music for your like volume of your massive back catalogue, and I've got like my two things. But. <laughs> It's so much different to if that musical information just exists purely in the computer. Mm. I don't think I can get on with that. Well, At least not as the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, I think this is where you and I really agree. It's like, uh, you know, when you're recording something or... Yeah, recording something. um, A lot of it depends on, for me, how human does it sound? Because it's not this sort of like... uh, you know, superiority thing of just like, oh, I can play an instrument. It's not not that at all. It's just like the records that I think you and I enjoy and have grown up with 
and enjoy the the most are where there's people playing an instrument they've had to learn how to play it and there's slight imperfections and like you can hear the room it was recorded in and all the rest of it kind of goes into this thing of like some people made some art whereas with music that's made just inside the computer there's it's almost a bit sterile or clinical or something it runs into the risk of being that if you don't include some human elements because some of my favorite moments on record are moments where people mess up yeah uh uh there's one that you and i both like uh where in Queen of Denmark, the title track from John Grant's album, uh, his first album, uh, like someone goes, they go into the chorus a little bit early and then you can hear them laughing in the background oh, as yeah. the song is still going on. Or um, I think it's Gene Genie where like someone goes to the chorus early and uh, you can just hear David Bowie going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the take they use. Oh, I've got to listen to that again, actually. I've, I've never noticed that before. Oh, you hear one of the guitars go a bit early. It's just so fun to listen to. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, that's the stuff I like the best. And uh, yeah, I mean, imperfection is 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 great. I mean, I've always kind of maintained this thing of like, uh, a good record should be, you know, 90% organic instrumentation, by which I mean, you know, a drum kit or an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, even someone playing a synthesizer. It's not like I'm, you know, anti-synth. And then the rest of the... A human has to be performing as opposed to just, like, popping notes in and saying, well, this must be precisely three crotches. This must be like this, that. (laughs) You know, you must have three bars exactly of this and then... Yeah, and whereas there's this other stuff I like, which I think should just be used very sparingly, stuff like... um, uh arpeggiators i think are really cool where like you'll hold down a chord on on the synthesizer and it'll play you know a sequence of of the arpeggio for you and that is a very artificial thing but but again you know sounds good in the context of like oh if there's also a drum kit and a bass guitar and stuff um they kind of Mm. contrast each other quite well yeah it's like as one texture in amongst others as opposed to like being just everything of course this is where we're going to get a million emails now saying like you guys are completely wrong you just do not understand why did you do this i can't believe you've done this <laughs> i mean it's all subjective isn't it i mean i think we no our opinion is right we are the perfect musicians and no one else has any say whatsoever <laughs> we're quite old-fashioned in the sense of like i think because our, our music tastes actually don't have as much crossover as you might think so like but i think the one thing we share in common is like we like it when someone or a band either a person or a band writes a song you know composes a piece of music and brings it to the studio and records it in quite an analog way and then maybe does some trickery on top of that you know as opposed to like making something on the computer and then i think the thing with with me is like it's about hearing the artist in the music yeah whether that be in terms of production, because there are like uh, very heavy production synthetic things like clipping, for example. I love clipping. Mm. <laughs> and that doesn't fall into the category of someone like, right, because that's all based around loops and percussion and things like that. Yeah. But the production is so inventive on those records. Yeah, absolutely. I think clipping are a great example because they, they stand out because of how creative they are. I mean, I was just thinking when you were saying that, like... um. I like a lot of hip-hop, and hip-hop is, you know, generally speaking, quite loop-based, and somebody sits down with, you know, back in the golden age of hip-hop, uh, an NPC, which is, you know, working with a computer, essentially, and, you know, puts together loops, and then somebody will come in and rap over it. But 
I don't know. Hip hop, I've always felt like it has a lot of different elements to rock music. It's almost a different art form in a sense. Yeah. Let's just use that as weird sounding. Yeah, baby. I'll just put that put that in. But it it is about hearing the artist, I feel, and like hearing their artistry, which I think is more difficult to do in dance music. Mm. And it can be done because there are some dance artists that I like and I can sort of tell who it is. But it's far fewer than I can in other genres. Uh, but that is just me being a old stuck-up rock fan, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I both, really. Uh, but as far as your song this week, is there anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of the way you wrote it or lyrics or anything like that? No, only that I'm deleting it off my computer in five, four, three... Two, one. Well, that's the last you're going to hear of that song, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is only Roger's dance song up on the SoundCloud this week? Well. <laughs> Listen to the episode and you will find out. <sighs> so that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have just listened to the preceding, what, 45, 50 minutes of us rambling on about stuff that we don't know about and you want to tell us exactly why we're wrong and how we're wrong and what we did wrong and how we're terrible people and how you should be the podcast host instead, why not write to us at weeklysongpodcasts at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, just search Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, we'll be on those. If you are listening on Spotify, iTunes, uh uh, SoundCloud, things like that. Thumbs up, like, shares, engagements, things. We haven't actually done a call-out for this one in a while, but I feel that uh, we, we probably should, seeing as it's the end of the season. And, um, my God, this episode's going to need all the help it can get. Um, <laughs> where can they find you and your uh, your Roger in the digital music sphere? Well... Songs. <laughs> and songs on the end, just for good measure. Um so you can find me on uh, Instagram at Roger Heathers. You can find my music at rogerheathers.com as well as on Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon, Deezer, wherever else people listen to music. I have a new EP out called Swear Jar and it came out last Ooh. week. And Declan plays some stuff on it. It's got songs from uh, the podcast on it. And uh, it's been out for a week. And I really want to thank everyone who's uh, taken a listen and given it such a lovely launch. So uh, do check it out if you haven't heard it. And that's it. Very well done to your audience. Congratulations. It's 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 such a such a good such a good effort that you've been putting in. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> How about you, Declan? Where can people find you and your music? Uh well, if you still want to after this week, uh you can find me and my music at uh Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, Amazon, um, I don't know. Is my music on Tidal? I don't know. <laughs> uh, basically, search Declan Kitchener. <laughs> Apathy will get you nowhere or the captive audience. And you will see many places where you can either listen to or buy my music. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Declan Kitchener Music, and on YouTube, Declan Kitchener Music, where I have covers of songs uh, that I have done. I must say, so there. your album and EP are well worth checking out, as are your covers. Um, your pro- your production on your covers is just, yeah. I, I've Don't told be you, fooled by I've this episode. This I do actually know what I'm doing every now and then. <laughs> and uh, where can people find your, your uh, club residency where you'll be DJing at the weekend? Uh, well, you can find that in the Gates of Hell. Um, 
Well, I shall be going this weekend, actually. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be good. Everyone who's getting on the six one six train, get down there. It's all going to be fun. Nope. Nope. Rorp. So Rorp. Uh, yeah, this is the last episode of season 12 in terms of writing to a genre challenge as always we do seven weeks of writing and then we do an eighth week which is uh next episode next week uh where we will be uh taking a listen to the songs we've written this season and talking about the pros and cons and uh you know what we regret and what we don't regret and going very off topic as we're doing it yeah, I think uh, season eight's a, not season eight, episode eight is always a good ex- uh, excuse to sort of let loose and have a bit more of a casual chat. So uh, It's going to be loose and chill. Yeah. And, you know, cash, super cash. Oh, yeah. And also, in contrast to what we said last week, we're not going to get drunk. <laughs> well, you might not be getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut it to the end of the episode. You know what? I actually think my dance team is pretty right. <laughs> you know? It makes you want to move. It's like, yeah. <sighs> I'll tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. The dance music has been drinking and not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to see you next week, I suppose, are we? Aren't we? Yes. Are we? Ne- yes, we are. We are. Don't be worried, but we are. Ta-ra! Ta-ra.